Alex Como, welcome to the It's Not That Deep podcast, brother. Thanks for having me, man. I'm super stoked to be here, chop it up with you. Dude, I am fired up. Yeah, like I've been, I've been I've had some guests on the show, man, but like I've been like actually fucking amped for this one. <laughs> well, this one fires me up. Hell yeah, man. I mean, we uh like we met kind of, you know, recently, but uh I think it's so fascinating. Like I told you, you know, when we kind of had coffee and chopped things up, like I'd heard your name so long ago and, and all good things, you know, um, the girl I dated deep had known her for many, many years. And, and all I would hear for like, you know, this started like three and a half years ago about how good this deep guy was and like how well I get along with him. She was bang on, man. Like we clicked like, and we had a great time. The first time we met was through Brandon Peacock. Yep. Shout um, out Peacock. Shout out Peacock. Yep. So, and a lovely dude brought us together and look at this is like, you know, a month later, here we are. It's crazy, man, because I just feel like we already have so many mutual connections as as you know, you mentioned uh, ex-girlfriend there. Have, have a lot of love for her as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the feelings. Uh, it's it's reciprocal. But um, I, I blew my mind that you even knew who I was, man, because I had heard about you as well. But I didn't know that that was you that day when I showed up to a pre-drink and I'm playing beer pong with this guy, yeah. and uh, we end up uh, going out that night and having a pretty good uh, good time. And to give people a little bit of a backstory, the place we went out to is actually a club that you co-founded and own here in Ottawa, Ontario called Happy Fish. Yep. So you, I mean, and that's just one of many insane ventures that you're a part of. Uh, you're rocking the 3dshowing.com shirt right now as well. We'll get into all that. Yeah. I'm pumped to talk about that as well. Mm-hmm. And you're also like into this crazy NFT wave. So that's just my version of giving people a quick bullet point introduction of like, you know, the spark notes of, of what you're all about. But dude, we're about to dive deep on the It's Not That Deep podcast, bro. <laughs> I want to start with your with your journey and what led you to getting into entrepreneurship in the first place because if i understand correctly that was not always like the complete natural path for you no definitely not you know uh I, and i i've mentioned this you know a couple times to you now is i think i took a really unconventional path um and i really i love people that take unconventional unconventional paths now because i can really relate to them uh i see a lot of parallels with people that you know kind of started in one thing and ended up in another yep. um but even from you know being a really young age like i i was born on the east coast uh, my parents are both military, so I moved around a lot. Like I moved around six, seven times uh, before I even got to high school. Right. So always being a new environment, always being the new kid on the block, mm-hmm. uh, that puts you in a weird social circumstance a lot at a young age. Um, and you got to learn how to adapt really quickly. Yeah. So I even even going into high school, I always considered myself a bit of a chameleon. Um, I could I could make friends with pretty much anyone because I've been doing it for so long already. Right. Um, it becomes a skill in and of itself, right? For sure. Yeah. Um, and I had a really big love for people that started at a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could kind of make friends with any group. I felt comfortable in, in groups that weren't my own. Like it's just that that kind of setting that kind of grew me into that. Um, you know, so I settled in Carlton Place. We're a really small town. Uh, I would say I was pretty sheltered there. Like, you know, growing up in a town of 10,000, you don't get to experience a lot, like in terms of different cultures and people and stuff. So I think I always had a bit of a lust to kind of do that afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, my grades in school weren't great. (laughs) I was just one of those guys, like I kind of just, you know, dicked around and and had a good time. and, And, you know, I had a great group of friends growing up, still my friends to this day. Um, but you know, I went to college and, uh, did the thing there and, and I'll tell you, I'll tell, we'll get started off on this crazy story. Cause I kind of, I teased them about this insane story. Something yeah. I went through, um, that like was my like TSN turning point, like, <laughs> you know, like it, that is it for me. Yeah. Sound effect aside, but like, yeah. um, 
I was just finishing college at the time and I had, you know, aspirations to go travel and move to Australasia. It was always one of my dreams. Like I just wanted to go somewhere. I didn't know anyone and really challenge myself to grow. I didn't, I wasn't thinking like, you know, what's, what's more for schooling or, or business at the time. I definitely wasn't thinking like, oh, it's time to start a company. I was 21. Mm -hmm. Um, I was still trying to figure out who I was. So, um, you know, I was dating this girl through college and uh, we dated for about two years uh, things were working out as they sometimes do when you're young and in love and, you know, sometimes that falls apart. So, you know, I'd cut things off. And then, uh, two weeks later after that, I get a call and, you know, it's this girl, she wants to get together, give back some sweaters, that kind of stuff. I'm like, all good. Let's, let's link up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I go see her and, uh, she's like, you know, I'm, I'm pregnant and I'm like, all right. Okay. Like, uh, didn't really know what to do at the time. I'm 21. I'm kind of like a party animal at the time. Definitely not like a mature individual, I would say, <laughs> but um, that, that things got real, real quick. Um, so turns out she was very pregnant. Um, like while we had been dating, we'd just broken up. So we get back together. She's like, I'm having this kid. Uh, I tell my family, I remember sitting my parents down and like, as a 21 year old, it's like really not been through much at the time. It was like just this craziest thing that's ever happened. So <laughs> I remember going and like telling my mom, like, yeah, I got to talk to you. And she's like, what's up? And I'm like, well, maybe, uh, sit down for this one. <laughs> Literally. I told <laughs> her to sit right down. Away. She knew right away. <laughs> but, but my mom's like a boss. She's like mm-hmm. my best friend. She's like, you know, she joined the Canadian forces when she was 17 out of Newfoundland. She's like my inspiration. Like she's just my rock. And like my parents are super cool. They backed me all the way. And of course, you know, uh, the girl, she wanted to keep it. So I'm there for it. Uh, so we got back together and, and, you know, moved in at my parents' spot, uh, was there, had the kid. Uh, like I, I've been through childbirth. I was there for it. I cut the cord at, at 20. I think I just had turned 22 at the time. Um, wow. So I went from like. Just, and was that here or was that? I was over, here. Over there. Okay. I was here. Yeah. Right. So here in Ottawa. Um so the kid, you know, I, I named a kid and, uh, and then anyway, I had some like reservations later on and talked to some friends and some, some legal counsel and stuff and ended up kind of going and doing a paternity test, figuring out down the road, it wasn't mine. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily it was only a couple months down the road, but it was one of those things where, you know, your life and how you see it, uh, you kind of, everyone has this self-talk, this vision for themselves. Mine at the time was like, well, I'm going to get this corporate job and just sit back and, and I got to help raise a kid. I'm 22. So like you kind of, you know, fit the mold of what's going on around you. Yeah, exactly. Um, you, you respond to your external circumstances as you kind of have to when you're told you got a kid. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, and, and I was all about it. So anyway, I figured it wasn't mine, went through that whole process, which was like, you know, just crazy, man. Like, <laughs> so I went from being kind of this party animal to father and being like, you know, no drinking, no partying. A roller coaster. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, but then, you know, it was relief after and there was no hate, you know, for the other side, it was all love. It was just like, we're going to go different, different ways now. And then I realigned what that vision for myself looked like. And I remember, and you know, having kids is great. Like a lot of my friends do is it's awesome. I think it's a blessing, but for me, it was not part of my path at the time. So when I kind of figured out it wasn't mine, it was like, well, I get this path back now. I can mm. kind of go be this guy that I initially set out to be. Unsure who it was, but <laughs> yeah. I knew that he was going to do some crazy shit. Yeah, I don't want to say second chance, but it's almost like certainly second chance of getting your 20s back. If I'm being real, yeah, like 100%, <laughs> you know, there's a part of you after you get over that initial stage where you're like, okay, let's realign. Yeah. So first thing I was like, well, I'm going to Australia. Like, I don't know anyone in the country. Uh, I want to go challenge myself. Just get on a plane. So headed over. I lived in Australasia for over a year. It was like, the best time ever. I met incredible people. Oh yeah. And, and that the people I met there, it's going to, uh, and I'm going to get to it when we start to get, talk about NFTs and stuff comes full circle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my love for people has served me in so many ways that like I can, I could never have fathomed back then. Um, 
so yeah, I lived there and, and I got to experience what living life without any responsibilities was like too. living in a van, mm-hmm. uh, you know, giving surf lessons at hostels or, or like, you know, just kind of figuring out what you're going to do the next day when the next day came mm-hmm. was really, really cool. And it helped me kind of ground myself, figure out who I actually wanted to be in life. Um, cause I was still unsure through that. And honestly, some days still, I'm not, I don't know, but dude, I could geek out with you for like, uh, like the length of 30 podcast episodes on the importance <laughs> of, of taking that jump, especially while you're young to do some kind of solo travel, mm-hmm. not slum it, but you know, be, yeah. be humble yourself to be able to live in a van or a hostel or just do whatever. Yep. Those experiences that I've had in my life are when I felt most present. Mm-hmm. most like like literally in the moment and i know everyone talks about being in the moment everyone talks about meditation this that and the other thing the way like society for the most part is always set up is always when i achieve x then i will have y mm-hmm. right whereas i found when i was doing a lot more of the solo travel that kind of stuff uh, i was able to be like well what is what does deepak want to do yeah what what am I going to do in this moment that's going to make me feel closer to what I'm aligned with? But yeah. I'll let you continue your story, man. Cause, cause I'm, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, Australia was super cool. Um, like love that country really helped shape me. Um, I came back and I was like really underfed. I've been traveling. We just finished doing Thailand with a bunch of guys from my hometown. I met them on the road. Um, came back and I was like, you know, I was just skinny and underfed. My mom, I remember was like, okay, you can just hang out with us for a bit. We're going to like get you back to health. And then I had already been planning my return to Ottawa because at the time they were living out East. Um, so I came back to Ottawa and I had kind of grand visions. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I knew I was going to do something entrepreneurial. I went through uh, a big corporate, uh, software company. I'd gone through the interviews at this company had put a job offer on the table for me. It was very nice. It was like an AE role. Um, and then the day that I was going to accept it and the world works in like such crazy ways. And like, this could only happen to like me, man. It's so weird. <laughs> this guy messages me on LinkedIn. He's like, Hey, I saw you were looking for a job. Cause I posted about it. I put myself out there trying to find yep. more, you know, different roles, but really this is the only one I had going at the time. They put a nice offer. I was ready to accept it. My parents were like super stoked. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, anyway, he, he's like, Hey, do you want to go grab coffee? Like today? And I was like, I, yeah, like I say yes to pretty much everything like that. I yeah. love turning over rocks and like yeah. meeting new people. Regardless, I was like, I'm going to go sit down with this guy, hear what he has to say, but I'm probably going to tell him like, look, it's, you know, I'm doing this, but it's nice to meet you. That's not how it went. Uh, <laughs> it was like, uh, hey, I've got this company, had some partners exit. Um, if you want to come work for me, I can offer you, you know, 29000 a year, uh, which is about a third of what I had been offered at the software company. But yeah but with a chance for equity and we can grow something together. And I really liked the guy, looked up to him. He was a, a lifelong entrepreneur. So naturally I called my parents up. I'm like, all right, I'm taking this other job. <laughs> like just put it in reverse in a day. Oh uh, my God. But that's the kind of guy I am, man. I just like, I mm. saw something. I like the idea of what they were working on. Um, it, it was, uh, it was a lot to do. It was like property tech stuff. Um, I, I thought there was a lot of the, the industry on itself was antiquated at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of hard tech changes coming. There was new software stuff coming. So I want to be part of that wave. Um, and I also had a different vision for the company than where it currently was. And that developed as I got more engaged, as I started to scale up equity. Um, and you know, now it's just us two. We, we run and own the company. We've scaled it up quite a bit. We've totally pivoted at what we were doing before. We've built custom software and we work with most of the biggest builders inside Canada and we're starting to grow into North America now. So your Minto, your Tearshare, Prince Developments, anybody putting up like, you know, 300 to 500 doors in a year probably has heard our name or works with us currently. Um, and, and we really pride ourselves in who we work with. Like we, So what's the product? 
Yeah. So now the product is, uh, it's, it's a mix. So we do pre-construction renderings and interactive experiences for major builders. Okay. So we've done like really cool stuff. I mean, Prince, Prince developments last year, they did, uh, they're building five buildings. We went in and with just architectural files, we're able to build these experiences that let people walk through the homes, completely photoreal. You would never know it's a rendering, mm-hmm. uh, online via any medium. So whether that's mobile desktop, VR even, which I find a little novelish, but some, some builders like to do that type of VR deployment to create some sort of interactive nature. And with COVID, it kind of shut that, not that piece down. But Mm -hmm. the long story, the short is we're giving a modern buyer, a modern home buying experience, Exactly. um, which, you know, when you're, when you're a 25 to 30 year old, you're one of these younger home buyers and you're going to buy a place and they're pulling out like black line floor plans and like tiles of finishes. You can't picture like what that even looks like. And it's not going to be built a lot of the times for like the next three years. And you're like, that's the vision I have to like roll with is this 2D like garage eight by this. And it's like, like, this is not even, I can't even tell what I'm buying or what I'm putting a huge down payment or whatever on, you know? So um, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. You guys were able to kind of exploit that market yeah um we just saw it as a change that was coming whether we were part of it or not we just wanted to be the ones leading it um we were really fortunate like a lot of the big ottawa builders took a gamble on us Mm because we're ottawa local and ottawa is so great for that you know like um minto was one of our first big clients that we ever got nice um i love working with them they're just they're so smart in the way they go about things because they're at scale but they act um really modern and almost startup like in terms of what the type of projects they do interesting which is it's brilliant man they're just they're so good at what they do they've really figured it out yeah um so really happy to be a part of that and then when you you know how it is you know you land one of these big clients and you can use them as a case study to go to the next and I'm a really, you know, kind of process driven sales guy by nature. Like that's really, I think my, my first love is sales. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, so it was really figuring out what's that process like for us. And then how do we go scale it in a reasonable manner across the country and now into, into the States we've done projects in the UK. Uh, you know, we're starting to look at, you know, maybe Australia, but like obviously time zone constraints and stuff kind yep. of can flip that, but we can kind of work anywhere just based on what we do. We also built a front-end uh, sales management software. Yeah. Some builders are using that that they host on their site. So it's like an interactive site plan. So it's just another component. Um, but I've always been a, a huge SaaS software stand. Yeah. So I'm trying to you know slowly pivot our revenue mix from service into software. It's more scalable, more yep. sticky. Um, and I think that's something that we'll see over the next couple of years. Uh, especially for 3D showing. But yeah, we've just, we've grown out into this really cool monster. I'm super stoked about it. Proud of our team. We've hired some really talented uh, young guys that are, you know, running our sales now. And and honestly, they just, they they bring me to the table and, <laughs> and we go to work. Like it's, Dude, it's a uh, cool company. You don't know how much I love stories like that where you have a fork in the road moment where it's like, okay, hey, like I'm about to take this job. And honestly, it's pretty sweet. Like it's, you know, going to be 80k entry like mm-hmm. plus bonuses or whatever like i'm gonna i'm gonna be good like i'm kind of set with this career yeah and to have an open mind and to look at and evaluate this you know other thing that just comes on your plate that's like that it it does take a special type of person to move away from what's going to reward them now to then delaying that gratification like well if if this thing works out the way i think it possibly could I mean, it's going to be way more worth it for me. Totally. And and I'm kind of a crazy person. And I think all entrepreneurs kind of are <laughs> yeah, like who looks at who looks at a vocation and says, OK, uh, nine out of 10 of the people that do this fail. And I'm <laughs> going to be part of that 10 percent that makes it like you kind of got to be a riverboat gambler. a little. You have to be, man. I, I can't believe like you just said that because I was just talking to someone about that exact same thing today. It's like, you know, like and, and it's an, a fellow entrepreneur. And I'm just like, 
yo, we're kind of like nuts, right? Like, like mm-hmm. there's something like off with us. Like, oh yeah, fuck yeah. Like that. There's no other way we would be doing what we we want to do or what our visions are. Like, even talking to people who don't have the mindset can bring us down because yeah. it's like, oh man, like you know, not to. I, I don't want to sound like I'm talking down on anyone or anything. Just people have different lanes and stuff, right? Yep. But it's like speaking to people who straight up just don't even like can't even comprehend or get where you're coming from when you make a decision like this it's like well that's such a such a risk i'm like yeah but like the real risk is not taking any risk totally like that's that's the real risk to me the real risk is like being part of that 90 percent and like thinking about like well what if what if i did that thing that was in the 10 percent and like the like for most entrepreneurs like i'm not gonna like say like sit here and tell you that that like 90 percent is like not true but it's like it it is true but people aren't looking at then what do how do people respond to that right some people like just how you're wired is like the minute any type of failure hits you and you take a person and you identify with that and like you legitimately label yourself a failure yeah you're not going to pursue business anymore it wasn't for you you yeah. weren't built for that Whereas entrepreneurs will fail like 10 times, but like fail forward and just be able to like take from that experience and be like, oh, okay, bet that didn't work. Yeah. Uh, cool. Let's like pick up the pieces and go to the next thing. Yeah. And failure is something I think about all the time. It's something that I deconstruct sometimes because I have failed many times. And you know what? When you go to like my LinkedIn or if you ever talk to me and you're like, oh, like, you know, have you ever had a venture fail? I folded like three, four companies at this point. Um, but yep. people don't remember the failures. They remember the wins. Um, especially if they're big ones. So it's, it's really just about being, you know, gracious in how you lose and understanding why you lost, um, taking lessons from that. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to be super ego driven. I used to like be kind of a different guy than I am now, but you know, losing really humbles you, um, taught me a lot. Like folding my first venture was a small one, but it was still like, I counted as an L and as someone that tied my personal worth to what I'm doing professionally. Um, which can be a great motivator can be, you know, wonderful for, you know, really giving you drive to put everything you have into something can also be your downfall when, you know, you take that L and you're like, well, I'm a loser, you know, cause that's what I used to say to myself, but you know, you keep trying, you keep figuring it out. And I really think the 10% of entrepreneurs that are making it and that do make it are ones that don't give up. Um, it's it, every venture can, can make it. There's, there's pivots to be made. There's, mm-hmm. there's customer feedback, feedback loops to be yeah. built. And I, I really look up to a lot of the companies, especially here in Ottawa. We've had some really cool ones, yeah. man. Look at Noibu. Noibu might have the coolest pivot of all time. I know a couple guys there, uh, working at that crew now. Um, you know, they started out doing stuff in kind of e-commerce for, uh, like 3d kind of tours for e-commerce. Mm-hmm. Um, and they pivoted out into the air detection software, and like it's like it's such a like when so you talk smart, about a pivot though. that's so like smart. yeah yeah like they're brilliant guys so i really i look up to realtor or to um entrepreneurs and i look at realtor too but uh, <laughs> mostly entrepreneurs that are yeah. like doing something and then you know it's not working so they figure out how to make it work or they figure out a whole new path um i think a lot of great companies are built on pivots specifically what's your decision making criteria when you evaluate a deal or when you look at something that you want to pursue and kind of go all in yeah. on like I know you do yeah, oh yeah like <laughs> and and I told you this like I go I go deep on anything I do I really obsess with it especially yeah. early on um, it's the most important time it's like your baby in the crib you know you really got to like take care of it you gotta nurture it it's yeah. got to be a part of you every waking breathing moment of your life so mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I break down a deal, whether or not I'm going to do an investment, whether I'm not going to get involved in an equitable sense into a business, first off, I look at like personal, what does it do for my personal life? Um, you know, 
and sometimes there's sacrifices to be made because I certainly have. Um, you know, I mean, I opened a opened a nightclub with a with a partner on a street that was completely closed a year before the world's great pandemic. Yeah, like that is a story that is destined for failure. Yet we come out of it as arguably the biggest nightclub in Ottawa right now. I agree. Or one of them, you know, like we are the spot. Um, but it was through those trials and tribulations that really taught us and, and grew us. And, um, but back to like breaking down the deal. Yeah. Like financially it has to make sense. I mean, everyone evaluates differently. Like I'm, I'm not adverse to risk. Um, but the risk has to come with the ability for me to take the venture and be a part of it and make it work at the end of the day. If I'm there putting everything I have into it, I have to believe that it's going to work, you know? So with Happy Fish, um, you know, I had this great network in the city. I have people that love me and support me. And I knew that if I opened a spot that fit the culture that I surrounded myself with, they would come. If you build it, they will come. <laughs> if you build it, they will come. And, and we built it and they are coming. Yeah. Like, you know, you can go there tonight and, you know, three hours, there'll be 200 people lined up out front trying to get in. Yeah. Um, but we built that through care and love and really investing in people. Um, and, and, you know, I have a really great partner there, Abbas Mahmood, who's been in the game probably longer than anyone. Mm -hmm. He's got uh, probably two hands worth of, you know, or operating bars, restaurants. He's a killer. So yeah. I have these mentors that I look up to. Um, you know, Abbas has been one uh, working, you know, with Happy Fish in the nightclub industry. And then, you know, my partner on the other side, Brandon Lusingen, who I work with 3D Showing, we own it together. Same thing, man. He taught me a lot about being really process driven about, you know, you're worth more than you think when you're a young guy starting out. You don't think your time's worth kind of diddly. And then, and you know this, as you get to grow, you start to find your own self-worth for your time. It's mm -hmm. like what you, what your billable is starts to change in your own mind, your attachment of, you know, monetary value to what, you know, the time you're spending on things changes and evolves and grows. Um, so he really taught me a lot about that. So I really like, I try to, you know, find people I look up to, surround myself with them and learn from them. Like I'm a big consumption guy, whether it's, you know. Uh, podcasts, whether it's people around me, but I find inspiration in everything. Like, uh, you know, the guy, the people I put around me are people that I really admire everything they do, whether they're selling mortgages. My little brother is a professional BMX athlete and like totally different than me. I could barely ride a bike <laughs> for real, but this guy puts his life on the line. He's one of like the best riders in Canada right now. And like, I look up to what he does because he's doing his craft at a really high level. Um, and it teaches me things about how I could do things like that in my own kind of craft. And that's why I think you and I get along so well, man, is because I can completely relate with your love for people mm -hmm. and your respect and appreciation for downloading people, what's in people's brain yeah. and and also accepting mentorship and also accepting that you're not the best at a lot of things. And but some people are oh, yeah. the, the best at particular things. Yeah. Um, and so just by you know, being a sponge, being around them, doing business with them, being around them, appreciating, you know, their faults and also what you can learn from them, I think is a, is a superpower in today's day and age. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think my, if I was a, if I was a superhero, my catchphrase would be, I got a guy. <laughs> I got a guy. Straight up. Like, you know, you're going to Australia, you, uh, you know, you need something. I got a guy. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to Tromblon tonight. I got a guy there. Don't worry. You guys yeah. come to Ottawa. I definitely have a guy. Like definitely have a guy, man. So <laughs> it's about arbitraging relationships where you see value. Yep. Um, you know, if I need, if I need, if someone's trying to buy a house, well, I got a realtor and a mortgage guy for them right now. Right. Someone's trying to look, think about building a really, a software company. Well, I know like 10 devs I could call right now that would yeah. sit down and have coffee with them because there's dual side of value there um, exactly i love bringing people together it's one of my favorite things in life you're, you're a natural connector yeah that's and, it. and and i i love people like that as well because i don't feel like a, you know i'm necessarily a connector but 
definitely through the podcast the amount of things that i hear and like i don't think like i don't think like this when i'm doing this right i just feel like i'm sitting having a conversation with you right now we're just we're just chatting but like the people who hear it might this might impact their life in some way and that that does fire me up so it can make one connection in your brain to something that leads to some kind of action that helps your life bro that fires me up like i love that you know yeah well speaking on that topic so something and i've told you about this i'm going to get it in before you leave (laughs) is uh gather which i'm calling it's like gather but spelled g-a-t-h-r i was meaning to launch it pre-pandemic it's basically like a closed uh kind of just like an invite only networking event i'm gonna be throwing here in ottawa invite only just because i want to really focus on the crowd early um i really want to handpick everyone but it's basically i'm going to do it a happy fish we're going to close the doors um i've been to a ton of networking events over the last like 10 years yeah i rarely enjoy them i don't know i just find them a lot of them are tacky no they're pretty cringe man they're pretty cringe bro i don't think i've been to a something labeled a networking event that i've done (laughs) any actual real networking yeah you know it's like dudes wearing suits and cocktail and yeah yeah. hey how's it going oh jp morgan like it's (laughs) it's not for me and i know it's not it's not for a lot of entrepreneurs especially younger ones Mm -hmm. um so what i really want to do is take my entire network and and you know, my plus one network around me and try to put like creatives, try to put athletes, try to put entrepreneurs, devs. I want to put all the people I think are doing really cool stuff in the city in one place and in a not in a low pressure environment. You can have a couple drinks. We can have some fun. We get, we get to introduce people and find out where, where can we like do things together? Where can we help each other grow? Bro, I might have like a plus 10. <laughs> and you can have a plus 10. Yeah, hell yeah. Yo, cause just I bring just, every guest you've had on here too, Seriously, yeah. the, the, the thing is, is like, I love something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, with COVID and stuff, I've been wanting to do something similar, right? But like mm-hmm. with all the, you know, proper uh, procedures that you guys have at the fish and stuff, do it outside, have the people over. I think now it's time, baby. It's, yeah. it, it's time to do something like this. Definitely. I'm really like like blessed and lucky that I, I've been able to you know become friends with you and a be invited but b I think this is something that can live and grow into something yeah way beyond Ottawa I want to build into something that uh that yeah has a bit of a name in Ottawa that has you know some clout that we can get like yeah. just cool people into one room and and yeah. share ideas and stuff dude I had this vision sorry to interrupt you like that mm-hmm. I actually wrote down and this document that I reviewed I try to review it every morning I I miss you know, three, four times a week, I will miss it. So when I say every morning, I mean, I try to do it every morning. But I reviewed this thing where basically it's like uh, my identity and my story up to this point, you know, who I am, what what traits I want to embody. I look at a bunch of things that I want to achieve in life and like actual like physical things too. It's, I I don't uh, shy away from material things as well. Um, But not all those are just like, you know, like this car, this place. But there's one thing, on, on like the last page of this document where you basically write out your own Wikipedia page. And it sounds like the most pretentious thing in the world, but it's like, imagine you, someone wrote a Wikipedia page of you like fucking 80 years from now, you know, yeah. like what your life is all about and like the highlights and the things that you've accomplished and whatever. And I, I have something in there that it's like, and and it sounds really pretentious and really messed up, but it, it it's meant to frame and wire your brain in, in a certain way, right? Mm-hmm. But basically, it says in there that like, you know, Deepak owns or rents out whatever multiple properties around the world to host all of his friends and like plus one people who 
add value and have something to give to this world and like i i read this every day and i like i see that happening like i see when i go down to columbia i got like 10 friends down there that are waiting for me that we're gonna they're gonna show me their friends and we're gonna all that's networking to me yeah that's a lot more of like a real tangible way it's like just friend making let's take this weird label of networking away for a second and it's just like yo let's just make some friends like we're kids on a playground hey want to be my friend oh you're cool you do this thing let's be kids again you know what i mean and i think it's important to maintain that and as we all grow into our success and grow and do all kinds of amazing things right i do think it's important to still make that time for people to come together and those meetings are worth millions if not billions totally and i think non-transactional relationships are the best ones you know like like just you're on someone's the same frequency they're on i mean living in australia and and i this is like one of my you know the best things i've ever done in my life i would write this down if i was doing my own wikipedia it would say you know alex camo has friends and you know 60 70 different countries that he could call and go visit right now and they would put me up and take me out and show me what the locals are doing like i still talk to you know my friends i lived with and they live in the uk i still talk to them every day my friends in australia not only do i still talk to them every day i'm doing a a project thanks to one of them with one of the biggest artists in the entire world i can't wait to to get into that man (laughs) yeah and we're gonna get there it's it's really and and to go back to what you said i mean i don't think it's pretentious because i think it's so important to goal set Success has this ratcheting effect. It's not about doing 50% in a, in a week or a month. It's about 1% a day or less. And, and I do the, I do a lot of the same goal setting, you know, I have that self-talk, um, and self-image talk of like, you know, this is something that I think about all the time. It's like, you are not who you think you are. You're not who other people think you are. You are who you think other people think you are, you know? Bars. Not to go monk-like on you, but like (laughs) straight up, like that's a self-image thing that eventually clicked for me. And, and I think I started, that's when I started to kind of kill my own ego a little because my, I used to not be able to fit through doors. My head was so big. And any of my friends, if I had them call into the show right now, they would tell you <laughs> in a heartbeat that I was just like, I had it a little mixed up, but you kind of figure that out. And ego is one of those things that it's important to keep a little ego as an entrepreneur. I think so too. It's, it's, it's a fundamental driver to make you better because you want to be better. You want to be bigger. You want to be more successful or whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. But at the same time, if it consumes you, then it gets in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's about finding when to utilize that. You know, before I go do public speaking, before I even sit here and talk with you, I tell myself like, I'm great. I'm this and that self-talk is really important. It gets me going, but, uh, but I don't want it to ever affect the way when I meet someone, I want to meet them with love. I want to treat them the way that anyone else would want to be treated regardless of who they are or what they do. And that's yeah. part of the fundamental principle that I help build the culture at the fish with. Um, doesn't matter who you are. Like if you're, you know, your first year coming out of school and you yeah. have nothing going on or you're the successful entrepreneur or pro athlete, none of that matters to me. I don't care. You're a person. So am I, yeah. you want to have a good time. Great. That's what we have in common right now at this moment in time. So let's do that and not worry about all the other stuff. Boom, man. If I could isolate what you just said the last 30 seconds, that would be like my pod, the whole premise of this podcast. <laughs> That's exactly what, what it's all about, man. And that love for people, that that energy radiates, dude. People mm-hmm. can feel that. And like, not to get all woo-woo and it's all just energy and manifestation and affirmations <laughs> yeah, and all yeah, that yeah. stuff. That's There's a there's a lot to that stuff, man. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to self-talk, like, you know, and, and I'm still guilty of this every day, getting caught in these negative feedback loops and these yeah. these um these thought patterns that are so self-limiting yeah like just saying things like you know we were even talking before about like running right mm-hmm. it's like not identifying with being a runner well yeah we, we we're not built like runners but that's also because we don't run yeah you know what i mean so like if you were to just break that pattern and like if i wanted to 
just become a runner. You look at like a Goggins type character who's like, you know, 300 plus pounds and now he's like an ultra marathon, runs like two a week. Like, I, like, yeah. you, like these are all the stories that we tell ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. I am a football player. I am a podcast host. Yeah. Like these labels, right? Like it's important to like operate in the real realm and like of this, the world to just be able to get by. Like, oh, what are you? I'm a doctor. Like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. Just that. It's important. You need that. I'm not saying to just shed, uh, shed all all labels and just become a monk with no attachment to anything and just murder your ego and do ayahuasca and of course not necessarily (laughs) it would be cool but i'm not like saying everyone do that just check in with yourself sometimes hey i'm having this thought right now i'm having this recurring software bug if you want to look at it that way why like what is it about oh well i've been sitting all day staring at my laptop did I even go for a walk? Did I lift? Did I move my body? Did I meditate? Did I shower? Like shower, sometimes it's so simple. Like if I just take a nice warm shower, I'm like, oh, fuck, I feel great. Like I'm just, I'm, yeah. I'm clear. But going back to it, man, like, sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, I was just, I was going to say, you know, what you want to become, you kind of condition yourself into that. Exactly. Um, and culture is conditioning as well. Um, you know, because I'm so culture driven because I think it's the stickiest part of business. Yeah. Um, and sticky is a word that I use to like, think about like when people come to the fish for the first time or people do business with 3d showing for the first time, they almost, it's never, it's never really the last time. Like they almost always come back. I, I think our, our, um, attrition at 3d showing is like under, under a percent. Like, I think oh I've lost God. one client ever, maybe yeah. like literally it's, and yeah. it, and it, and it was probably our fault and we owned up to it and did everything we could, but sometimes you can't win them all. You know that. Yeah, I do. Um, but the fish is like, it's the same thing. Like culture is so sticky when people go in there and they feel warm and fuzzy and they get, you get them some FaceTime, you hang out with them, you get to know them. Mm-hmm. Um, they feel like it's their home. Uh, and 3d showing is kind of the same thing. Like our clients, it, it's like old friends talking every time they come up with a project. We, we de- de-stress the whole process. We make it easy for them. We're there to help them be better. And, and we're always trying to look inward and create these feedback loops. So when we do any major project with a new client, the first thing I do when it's done, which is great, like it's, we, we celebrate, you know, we've done this thing, we've acquired, we've made some money, et cetera. The company can now grow. But the first thing I do is schedule a call with their the stakeholders on their end to sit down and say, and just tear the whole process apart. Say, mm. what did you like? What did you not like? Uh, is there anything we could have done better? Like, I want you to be honest with me because everything that they say, I will literally take, sit down, deconstruct and build that into our process going mm. forward if it makes sense for them. Um, Interesting, man. Yeah. From- like, I'm really feedback loop driven. Like, it's the most important thing. Even when people come to the fish for the first time, I mean, we're already so busy. I will still, to this day, last week I did, I text people, hey, did you have a good time? Like, what did you like? What did you not like? Oh, our bathrooms are a mess. I know, like, we're still trying to figure that out. Like, yeah. it's, it's part of, you know, growing. It's part of, part of being better. You know? One thing that I've learned, like, and, you know, I've, I'm nowhere near, like, the same level of, of, of entrepreneur that you are in terms of your experience and the things that you've done, right? But in, in the few years that, you know, I've been, operating through my business journey i've learned a few things about sales and one big thing that you mentioned there basically is that it doesn't stop when you close mm-hmm. sales is a continuous process that kind of never goes to sleep it's it's always on you're always um wanting to reassure and make sure that the client is feeling good and thinking about you in a positive light because it's so easy for that to become hijacked by some negative experience that could have easily been avoided by, avoided by just asking, 
just by revisiting your processes and i'm like i'm buzzing when you're thinking about that when you mentioned that i'm just thinking about like 500 things that like i would love to improve about our process and just mm -hmm. by using some software and some tools and some automations and some more of my time and less of my time and some other things i can like hack this thing and i'm like geeking out on it i'm Definitely. like loving it i'm well, I think, weirdly loving this stuff yeah i think one of the things that we geeked out on when we first kind of one of our first conversations was really about uh like personal tech stack you know, business tech stack. Cause like software is there to make your life easier. Virtual assistants are there to make your life easier. You got to utilize these things because they, they really create time in your day. And I didn't understand that early on. I had the foul, the, the, the productivity or the, sorry, the, um, the amount of time you're working equals success fallacy. Yeah. I really yeah. chased that when I was younger. I was like, gotta be working all the time. You know, I'm working late tonight because hashtag I gotta be hustle, grind, fucking hashtag 2 hustle, man. 2 AMs. Like Seriously. Just, yeah. So, but that I, I really grew out of as I under, I started to figure out it's actually productivity. Sam Altman, actually, who's a, uh, an entrepreneur I really look up to, co-founder co of OpenAI. He was a partner at Y Combinator for a long time. Just a guy, I totally stand out on all his stuff, but his, um, he wrote an essay, it's called Productivity. It's on his, uh, Sam, I think it's sam.altman.com. And it, it really changed the way I looked at productivity, um, the waking hours in the day, how you utilize them, but also how you balance that with your personal life. Right. Um, I still definitely don't have it all figured out. Yeah. We're always still kind of painting the picture as, as it goes, yeah. but, uh, I definitely have more hours in my day now. And that's even with stuff going on overseas in, in UK, Ukraine, Australia, China, like I'm in a lot of different places right now. So it stretches me pretty thin. But something I think about too is like everyone needs a, a getaway. Like my parents own about a hundred acres, just under a hundred acres out um, past Carlton Place. Nice. Actually, I bought you something. Hold up. Oh, no way. I, I never go anywhere without gifts. Oh All my right. God. This guy's a beauty. Hold up. <laughs> so we oh, make a, we make a, like four or 500 bottles of maple syrup a year. We just give them out to friends. Dude. And I only give them out to people like that I really like connect with that are like my boys, my like, you know, people I really love. So I wanted to give this to you. Oh, dude, I appreciate this so much. It's man. Uh, it's organic. I milked it from the tree myself. Jeez, man. I'm actually taking a lot of credit for that. I think my parents did that. But um, this is beautiful, dude. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm going to enjoy this. You have some pancakes. You put that yeah. on top. You'll have a great time. <laughs> man. I got something for you, too, man. Oh. I meant to do this at the end of the show. But, yo, since oh. we're doing a little gift exchange here, get you some deep drip. I know you're a, you're a caffeine head. So, yeah. Oh, man. Dude, I, I, I really appreciate you, man. Thank you. That means a lot. But... Yeah, having places to go and, and um, you know, have space and places to it's unwind. An escape, man. CP is a good place for that because there's a lot of space. A lot know? of space. I go out there and do hillbilly stuff, man. We shoot guns. Yeah. We, uh, I got to get you out there. It's awesome. Oh, we'll dude. go rip around on the toys. It's uh, it's just a beautiful property. My parents are retired out there. Nice. Um, but, like, I want to start doing retreats out there. Um, be really cool. Like, dude. really decompress. No phone. Like, black box the phones for a weekend. Yep have entrepreneur kind of gatherings out there. It's something I'm working towards. Like it's on the, it's yep. like, you know, peripherally it kind of ties into the gather thing. Oh yeah. Um, Dude, you bring up like a really important thing because that's what you're talking about right now is real true community and mm -hmm. true real brotherhood and reconnection. Yeah. And, and I think that that's something that society on a whole, on a macro level, at least Western society is missing. And like yeah. that to me is the real pandemic. Like yeah. that's really what people are missing the most is that, real connection man that when you lock people down and keep them in a house and like you forget how beautiful life is because you're just hit with negativity constantly through social media through traditional media through 
books and en- anything like you're yeah. still like you're just you're in this um uh, ec- a negative echo chamber almost at times right and uh you know i got a shout out to one of our team members hayden christina he mm-hmm. took us out to we did a little retreat at his cottage last week cool. and his cottage is past perth i forgot the, the name of the place but it's just absolutely beautiful on a really nice lake super tranquil and like I just didn't really even want to look at my phone much, man. For it was sure. just nice to just get away. It was like a stressful time as well. And it was like a good reminder. It's like, oh, yeah, this is it. We can like realign like as a team and just talk and just have yeah. human interaction. But I love that idea, man. I think we need to we all need to kind of get away from the city and the anxiety that just comes with it. Yeah. Right. Well, the good thing is, I mean, there's really not a lot of cell service out there either, especially you go past Perth or out towards our spot. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You're going to try to get a bar, but you got to walk into the trees and stand on a rock <laughs> to do it. So no stress. It's like, yeah, you are disconnected by uh, by choice, but also by uh, by where you are geographically. So, Dude, I want to go back to Australia and mm-hmm. then soon yeah. talk about the whole NFT wave and everything that you, you got going on there. But the first thing I want to say, man, is like one thing I noticed what, during my travels is like Australians are some of the most fun people to party with and uh, just generally speaking i find canadians and australians yeah. get along probably better than any two like races in the world man, man. australians are lunatics bro they're but like in a good way i they're love them so like, fun yeah even the guys the english guys and girls too like i think there's a really cool kind of um you know frequency everyone there kind of vibes on and yeah i definitely you know i i was i spent a lot of time living on couches of australians um they really like took me in maybe one of their own i mean i've got a tattoo in a hidden area from uh, a late night uh, with some acid and a, g- a good time with a lot of them so you know it's uh it's it's yeah it's crazy but yeah i love australians i love the culture they have there yeah they're definitely really fun they share a lot of the same values as us too they're very hardworking people yeah um and i think you know and i, I think it's a great time to bridge into what I'm doing next because um, it ties directly into my time in Australia. So yeah. while I was there, I made this friend and he was, he was really, he's about four years younger than me. He was just starting out in production. So shooting like nightclubs and um, creating videos for artists. And he was, he was really small time at times. His name is Damien Wright. Anyway, this guy in, in the, the time I've been gone. So five years, he's now shooting like the biggest names in the entire country. He went on tour, European tour with sunset bros through like Greece. He's he, the guy yeah. kills it. Like he yeah. is the man now doing it. Dope. Um, so anyway, I had, uh, I've been in cryptocurrency for a while. I've been doing, uh, just buying and holding different, uh, stable coins since, you know, 2016, 2017. I went through a phase where I was day trading it probably like the summer of 2017, which was a pretty slow summer, but it was still exposed me to it. And also to some of the underlying infrastructure technologies that were getting built in the space. Um, I always, you know, from that point on, I really started to take interest in it. Um, so when NBA top shot rolled around last fall, um, I started getting a little bit more engaged. I had some friends kind of making money on it. I started to understand um, what was going on with the art space as people are starting to tokenize their art on the blockchain, mm-hmm. um, just to authenticate ownership. And then there's also a ton of really amazing digital artists out there that didn't really have a way to get a ton of exposure, right? Like right. conventional art is very clicky, very hard to go to Sotheby's or Christie's and get in an auction, right? Mm-hmm. But now you've got, and really amazing artists like Mad Dog Jones, you fuck render. You got these like, these guys are the biggest in the game. They're Canadian guys and they're doing collaborations with Christie's, with uh, Sotheby's, selling, you know, 20, 10 millions of dollars of digital artwork <sighs> via conventional sales methods, but all tokenized on the blockchain. So mm. I started to see kind of this revolution that was happening through the new year. 
And 3D showing, obviously, we're in the digital rendering space. So I started thinking like, damn, I really want to be a part of this. Didn't know how, but I had this idea. And I was like, no one's really created a truly immersive NFT. So uh, like tokenizing our technology, essentially, on the blockchain. So let's just let's just mm -hmm. define a few things here yeah, yeah. for those listening to have no, no idea what an NFT is. Yeah, so an NFT is a non-fungible token. So it's kind of like a one-of-one that's on the blockchain. So... For example, you buy a, you know, a really famous one right now is CryptoPunks. Mm -hmm. um, it was one of the early ones. A lot of them are sitting in wallets. They'll never be used. So there's a lot of scarcity in the market. But these these CryptoPunks go for, you know, hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars, depending on, you know, which punk it is. So it's yeah. just a piece of art that's tokenized on the blockchain. It's a transparent ledger. So if you own one, I could see, you know, Deep owns Punk 1256. Yeah. And then if you sell it to myself... Then it'll say, you know, my wallet address has purchased the punk. So you have a full transparent sales history of that piece of artwork. So it's really just like it's digital authentication. It's, yeah. it's similar to, you know, if you buy the Mona Lisa mm -hmm. from, you know, Louvre, whoever owns it, then there would be that physical piece of ownership, you know, authentication that would come with it. Yeah. This is just digitized and everything is is done. You know, it's usually uh, minted on like Ethereum mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever underlying uh, uh crypto uh, blockchain the marketplace is using so some are so is it possible to be involved in the nft space without being involved in the crypto space uh i mean by nature no because you have to buy it with crypto right exactly. you're not buying it with fiat so mm -hmm. fiat's just a term for like our, our conventional currencies yep um, most are done through Ethereum and I mean, they've really solved the money velocity problem on getting people into cryptocurrency. Like if I want to take money out of my bank and go into Coinbase and go start buying Ethereum right now, it's like a five minute process. Yeah. Super easy. Super seamless. MetaMask, which is a really popular, uh, integration for Chrome browsers allows you to integrate your, uh, wallet of whatever sort into these marketplaces and then make purchases through that. The technology, and I mean, we see it a really art-focused right now. Yeah, um, it's super rudimentary right now, and that's also why that example is the, the easiest to kind of get people yeah. to understand what an NFT is, because like, oh, think of art. Mm -hmm. But what you're thinking about and what some of the applications that it could be used for are like, revolutionary never been done before are absolutely going to change the world forever. Yeah, I'm convinced, and I, I said this earlier, I think... Every major consumer brand will have an NFT strategy alongside their social digital strategies in the next two to five years, maybe sooner. Honestly, I think the ones that are doing it right now today uh, are the ones that are thinking forward and they're seeing a lot of success on it. Mm -hmm. um, sure, it's still a little novelish because the infrastructure is not fully built out yet, right? Yeah. Like you think about even early days e-commerce, um, it was still like, you know, Shopify came in, made that problem. They solved the kind of helping people build storefronts. Those types of infrastructures are still being built. Um, but like even on the startup scene, we're seeing more and more blockchain NFT based startups. I really think the art portion is, is incredible. I think it's going to definitely be here to stay. It's the original kind of one of the original use cases. Yeah. Um, but I think we'll see the fat trimmed off it a little just because it's so hot right now. When you get a lot of hype around something, there's all these like kind of secondary and third parties that come in and make money on it. But, um, I don't necessarily know if their drive is altruistic, not that it's more altruistic to want to make more money than it is to do some cool art. But I think the real artists are the ones that will stay right. and we'll see some of the projects fall off because there's these trend cycles come and go. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah. So talk to me about this project that you're involved in. Mm -hmm. And by the time this podcast is out, we'll have dropped. We'll have dropped. And I'm so excited, man. It's been a long journey. Like I really, this is one that there was times where I certainly thought about giving up. So you know, back to, I had the idea of, you know, tokenizing an actual immersive experience, doing the first one ever. Yeah. Um, 
uh, Krista Kim, who's a really famous artist, conventional artist and digital artist here from Canada, she's from Toronto. She'd sold a piece for half a million dollars, a digital house on uh, Rarible back in uh, it was April this year. Wow. Um, yeah, crazy, man. <laughs> crazy numbers getting tossed out. It's peak yeah. hype too. But And she, so she does her, she has a total art style that was built into the house. It was really fascinating what she did. But I wanted to create a really high fidelity, immersive mm-hmm. experience. Right. So taking 3D showing technology, mm-hmm. these incredible digital renderings. Yeah. And giving someone their own kind of art gallery that they could mint. Because these really high-end whale collectors, these guys spend like millions to hundreds of millions of dollars on NFTs. They were starting to think like, oh, I want my own immersive experience. So I could bring you. You could be in Tokyo. I could be in Canada. We put on our VR headsets. We go in and I show you my art in VR. And not only that, but my actual gallery is an NFT in itself. Oh, my God. So it was this experience I draw up my head. And I, I literally one night just drew this entire house out. Started conceptualizing how to go to market on it, convinced my partner that it was a good idea. God bless him for supporting every dumb (laughs) idea I have or not so dumb idea sometimes. (laughs) And then I do what I did and I start calling everyone that I possibly can. I'm talking, I pitched Tiesto's manager. (laughs) I pitched a loud luxuries guy who I think he might've hung up on me halfway through. But like, I eat that shit for breakfast. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm like, whatever. Like, I'm some crazy person calling you about some far out NFT idea. I would probably hung up on me too. Yeah. These guys got to stay guarded. They get these calls all the time. Of course. But it was cool. So I got to pitch a bunch of really cool brands. It was probably at the end of my rope starting to give up, but I'd already kind of moved corporate assets into motion. We were like going to do this thing. Like we went right in on it. And uh, I call up my buddy Damien, who I shouted out earlier, the, the, the guy who yeah. was a pop in Oz and one of my best friends there. Yeah. He's shooting with these massive artists. He's like, you know what? Uh, so he's shooting Timmy Trumpet, right? Yeah. Timmy Trumpet, incredible artist. He's the 10th biggest DJ in the world at the time. Crazy. Number nine as of last week. Hey, let's um, go. Let's go, Tim. <laughs> so, uh, so then he introduced me to their managers, Chris and Matt Stafford. Okay. Um, and just like me and you, when I first met with Chris via Zoom, because he's in Australia, we like clicked. This guy was like, he's my brother from another mother. Like we just like, bam, just yeah. nailed it. We knocked it off. He saw the vision right away. Yeah. And we shared that vision. This is in like May. This is like May. I was in Florida at the time, actually. I was hiding cool. out from the pandemic <laughs> in, on the beach. Yeah, and uh, anyway, so he was like, we want to do this. And this fits Tim's thing. Tim is actually one of the only artists to probably have ever been into space. Like he did this thing with the European Space Agency. And what I was conceptualizing was really the space driven kind of like, yeah. that was the theme of it. Okay. So the, the, the stars really aligned, <laughs> <laughs> the stars really aligned on it okay. and, uh, and he, and he liked it. And me and Chris started working together to reach out to all the marketplaces, right? You know, we had traction with the Winklevoss brothers who f- co-founded Gemini, famously were part of the Facebook founding and now own Nifty Gateway, which is one of the premier marketplaces, crypto.com. And Binance. Binance is the biggest name in crypto. They're like the biggest exchange in the world. They're a Hong Kong-based company. Absolute monster. Um, We got really lucky because everyone was interested in the project. It's just so different than what was happening out there. It wasn't like just another uh, like typical what they've seen. Like there's a lot of artists going out there and doing this. A lot of DJs too. But Tim had been in crypto for a long time. Okay. Um, He's engaged in the space. He actually bought a CryptoPunk. Okay. Um, He's (laughs) super like he just gets the space. His team... Like they're one of my inspirations. These guys, how hard they work. His marketing okay. guy, Sean, uh, Chris, and Matt Stafford. These guys are like workaholics, mm. um, and that's why he's trending up. He works his ass off. He's a super smart guy. So I was already I was surrounded by these guys who just had great vision, incredible work ethic, and we're all working towards the same goal. Extremely driven. 
just fucking oh man these guys are so cool get the vision yeah that's something you can't teach or like ask someone to ride with you they either do or like they just like i don't get it yeah so so i'm doing this project i mean well running 3d showing as our you know chief executive officer yeah still doing the weekend thing at the fish like i drop in as much as i can because when my friends go by i want to make sure they can get in i want to make sure they have a good time and then i'm doing a flip schedule 14 hour flip with australia and a 12 hour flip with china every other night so (laughs) I'm like grinding, bro. Like yeah, it's just are, putting it man. down. I could feel it really kind of wear me down a little, but like I could see the angle and I knew we were going to do something cool. So we were supposed to, we finished the project in August, like development ready. It's audio visual experiences through a house. There's a mystery box component, which is kind of like gambling in a sort, but with crypto. Dope. So you buy a box and there's a, a probability percentage. You get a really high value item or not. I played Call of Duty, man. Yeah. You, <laughs> that's what to say. The, the game, uh, the game. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that makes sense. But so Tim yeah. actually took his real trumpet, which is like, Thor's hammer, Timmy's trumpet. Uh, there you go. And we're doing a digital physical part of it as well. So oh, if you dope. get that NFT, he will actually, in a glass case, you get his trumpet <laughs> signed like... by him. It's, it's a really cool thing. That's so sick. he got fully on board with it. Um, we're dropping on Binance November 3rd. We talked to all the other marketplaces. Binance made the most sense. Obviously, they were they just launched their new marketplace at the end of uh, the summer. But we're going, it's like the likes of Louis Capaldi has gone, uh, Lil Yachty, Vogue, you know, Timmy Trumpet and and a small part of that and in terms of the design is myself. So it's it's really humbling to get to work with these guys. And they're obviously taking a chance working with a guy like me out in Canada. But none of that would have happened if I hadn't spent days and months on Damien Wright's couch in 2015. So that's that full circle, like build connections, non-transactional connections that later down the road, you're doing something for someone because you love them, not because you need something from them. Um, so I'm really stoked about like what we're doing. Uh, it's going to be huge. Like it's, I mean, to just be a part of what they're doing yeah, is man. It's very humbling for me. Well, well, fucking congratulations, bro. Like that's, that's sick. It, again, it will have dropped by the time this podcast drops. Yeah. Uh, you guys move faster than me, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> that's, right. that's, uh, th- that's incredible, man. And you know, the craziest thing to me about all this is not having a baby led to some wild shit flip the switch said turning point for sure man yeah crazy so, crazy the butterfly effect of all this stuff right life is just this weird human experience i i don't understand it whatsoever no, it gets weirder do. by the day hell like, yeah it does man the, the texts i get from people like that want to come to the fish these pro athletes or or really cool entrepreneurs yeah. like people i'm just like i probably would never get to associate with but i get to because of that or mm-hmm. like one of my friends will hit me up like I don't know. I love life, though. It's fascinating. It's I get existential about it all day. And I'm sure you and I could turn this into a seven-hour episode. Oh, so you're yeah, talking man. about it, dude. Uh, Jamie, my business partner, as you know him really well. Um, he, we talk about this all the time because obviously we live in the same crib, right? And it's yeah. just like these insane um, coincidences and things that we like literally talked about like two weeks ago. Like, yo, it'd be cool if X, mm-hmm. then X happens, and you're like, okay, well. <laughs> Yeah. yeah no that, that was the kind of coincidence or like pretty cool like yeah we put that yeah. now we're just both sound like absolutely like off the deep end on cri- like we got like we just like talking about we manifested this bro yeah. we put this out into the universe anytime we want something now it's not even just like oh yeah it'd be cool if it's like so when this happens mm-hmm. here's what we're gonna do like you like and that just changes everything and because you do make that happen by just changing the frame of your mind with this stuff and you know this whole nft thing that you're frankly like a pioneer in this space like you we're gonna look back at this conversation you're gonna be like dude i knew nothing about what the actual possibilities of this thing could be i thought it was dope i was excited to be a part of it 
fuck it. Yeah, you worked hard. You've been working your ass off on these projects and everything. I don't know how you do it in terms of like time and all that stuff. I know we talked about coffee product. <laughs> it's an Americano with a triple shot. <laughs> Shout out Stella Luna for getting me caffeinated 24-7. I love you guys. I'll, I'll pay the mortgage there if I have to. Oh, my God, man. But that and the productivity and also just this insane this insanity that we talked about that yeah. you have. I'm I'm okay calling you a crazy person because I know you'll take that as Certified. a compliment and not <laughs> as like, yo, like, what do you mean? Like, I'm not, you know, but no, you're crazy. I'm crazy. We're crazy for thinking that this stuff is even going to be a reality. What I want to ask you next is, man, you know, without without uh, going into too many specifics, talk to me about what's next in the NFT space yeah. and how you want to be a part of that. Well, man, okay, I'm going to keep it like pretty top, but like it's, uh, I think that space is the most exciting space to be in right now. Yeah. I think it's like being in social media when Facebook was founded um, because it's not just art on the blockchain. This is a new consumer medium and this is the Kool-Aid I'm drinking. It's like, and I kicked you a deck on an idea I'm building out right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm meeting with devs. I'm trying to meet with the right people, VCs that are in the e-commerce and the blockchain space, different people that I can hope to gleam some ideas off of because ideation is something I take really seriously when I'm trying to think about, I'm going to go do something. That's if you're really building a company, think about that's 10 years of your life. I think you're, I would be more apt to get married than, you know, go start a company because the commitment to that company is, is so vast and so deep. But, um, really when I look at NFTs right now, I see consumer medium opportunities. So let's say, and I think, uh, one of my favorite bands, the glorious sons did this amazingly. So they did what is called the golden ticket. It's an NFT that essentially the owner, there's one of them. If you own it, you can go to all their shows. Okay. So you really love a band. You get their golden ticket NFT. You go to their shows for three years. And then you're like, you know what? I like another band more now. The, but the gold, but the glorious sons have grown. They're now the Rolling Stones, who they actually opened for last weekend. It's kind of dope. But <laughs> they uh, and they're out of Kingston too. Shout out. So they, uh, yeah, you could take that ticket and sell it for more now because it's bigger. Mm-hmm. It gives the consumer a stake in the brand. Yeah. And I think about this a lot with apparel, especially with uh, you know secondary markets growing to thirty five billion in the last couple of years. You got Debop who just bought Etsy. It's a one point two billion dollar acquisition. I did not know that. <laughs> Chump change getting thrown around in that space, man. It's crazy. <laughs> So 35 billion today, 75 billion in the next three years. So everyone that buys a Supreme sweater, these they're buying these sweaters at 100 bucks. They're going, they're selling at five. They're actually like 500 bucks. 500, yeah. <laughs> yo, like the the markup and the the resale value is huge. Yeah. But not just that. I think about you know if you're a diehard for any brand, um, say you go buy their NFTs through smart contracts. We can do so much more now. So it's not just like oh I can see who has owned that, who's bought and sold that NFT, but I could airdrop you wraps tickets. Mm. I could give you a special exclusive discount only for the weekend via smart contracts. Uh, it could accrue value if you so wanted it to. So it yeah. really gives you a stake in the tokenized version of the company yeah. or a product or whatever they're trying to do. So these are ideas that I think about all the time and. Uh, this is something we talked about a little earlier um, in ideation. I really try to think in inverses. Like you can go out as an entrepreneur. If you have that mindset, you see problems everywhere and you're like, I want to solve this and that and another thing. But I think the biggest problems that get solved are solved via inverse. So an example I really love is um, circuses. Circuses for the longest time were like these tacky travel things were like unknown performers. It was more for kids. Uh, it was just like this, you know, it was kind of like a, I don't know what it was, but anyway, then you have Cirque du Soleil enter the, 
enter the game. And Cirque du Soleil is geared for adults. It's super professional. It's like a, an event with world-renowned performers. They totally inverse kind of what was going on there. Yeah, flip it on its head. If you want to disrupt industries, you got to take that S-curve to the different level. you got to go and say, I'm going to do the opposite of what everyone's doing right now. Even though at the time it seems like a terrible idea, yeah. there's probably some gems built into that. So when I look at NFTs, I'm like, how do consumer brands talk to their 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 consumers right now? Well, they they have digital, social, email, uh, everything's kind of getting antiquated because nothing really has changed in that space. Yes, we're getting better at how we do them. Yeah. I think TikTok has been a huge revolution. Shout out James. He's decoded it. No <laughs> one understands the algo like life. that guy. Yeah. James Life, shout out. So yeah. uh, very powerful tool. But I could see so, so much happening with the with the NFTs, with smart contracts, oh, with yeah. really being able to engage with the consumer. And not just that, but we're starting to see the ability. And I think Twitter is really looking into this because Jack Dorsley, super involved in the NFT space. He actually sold his first ever tweet. I think it was for like a million bucks. Oh, my God. Um, and, and I really look up to Jack because he's a visionary. Yeah. Um, but so you're looking at like being able to integrate wallets into the social space. So when I go look at, you know, Deepak on Instagram, I get a, I get a view of like what your life, what you, what you want your life to look yep, like, you yeah. know, per se, or like the top level, yep. you know, I mean, that's for me. I only post the best pictures, you know, <laughs> yep. trying to get my likes or whatever, like whatever yeah, yeah. heathenistic things going on there. Absolutely. Um, Instagram's a, a highlight a trophy case. It's yeah. totally, yeah. you know, yeah. So, but NFTs integrating a wallet can tell me a little bit more about a person. Can mm. Tell me what brands that they support, what yeah. causes there's MPO opportunities. There. There's all sorts of stuff. So it helps it's create be that. some weird first dates in the next 20 years, man. For sure. Does she have the Starbucks <laughs> NFT or am I buying coffee? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Wait, she does have deep trip what exactly exactly <laughs> oh man so interesting so i know in 2022 i'm going to do something in the space oh yeah um i'm i love it i'm really obsessed with it i'm just trying to figure out what that thing is yeah um i know you will man like yeah, i'm, I'm 100 percent so. confident we're gonna look back at this podcast and laugh like I'll oh dude, he cringe. was so close <laughs> he was like he was right there he's like 99 loaded and it's just gonna take the right conversation i wish it was me i'm not your guy but uh i might have a guy for you so <laughs> I got a guy. I got a guy that I'm, I'm going to get a shirts made that say yeah. I have a guy. Yeah, seriously, it's a sick one, man. Yeah. Oh, dude, this this podcast, like I'm telling you, we could go a million different directions and keep going. But I'm going I'm yeah. to continue to have you on. We're going to keep Definitely. this as like a recurring podcast uh, segment. I'm like, I just I really like what's going on in that crazy brain of yours man Thanks, and i think it's it's going to be really interesting to see where where you go with the space where you go next with you know 3d showing with the bar what's next for alex como that's actually a question i'm going to end it off on what's what's really next well i mean i hope to get down to medellin and visit you this winter oh yeah I, that's the first answer it's gonna no, be no that's happening <laughs> yeah 100 percent, man i yeah. want you i want to go down there but um you know like i said i think it's it's i'm really focused on what i'm doing right now i've constricted my vision into 3D showing, Happy Fish, and the new venture. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be really cool to eventually hire someone in to run 3D showing and still be a part of it, whether it's a board member or whatever that looks like. Yeah. Um, but I really want to build an impactful global SaaS company or yeah. software company. That's really been my life goal. Mm -hmm. um, one of them, at least. So I think that's it. I really want to do some travel. I want to just live a little, mm -hmm. be present, and uh, keep doing what I'm doing, man. It seems to be working right now, and it's something that I find happiness in. And I think that's really, yeah. you know, for me, the most important thing at this moment. Dude, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Shout out your socials. Where, where can people find you? Yeah. Right so, now. Uh, without without an NFT tied to it just yet, but <laughs> No, exactly. Yeah. You can you can catch me on Instagram and Twitter, both at Alex J. Camo. Um, you know, if you're interested in entrepreneurship, if you're, you know, a young guy coming out of school, you're looking for a sales job. 
whatever it is, you want to work at the bar. I'm one of those guys. If you message, I will always answer you because I just love people. And mm-hmm. you know, if I can help you out, I will. So reach out to me. Appreciate you, brother, man. Thank you Thanks, so bro. much for coming on the podcast. And for those listening, just remember, it's not that deep. <laughs>